On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Cindy Ramirez, founder of Chill House in New York City. Tune in to learn about her career history in the hospitality realm, how Chill House came to be, and her five tactics to building a fruitful business. Welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class focused on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. I am Chelsea. I'm the founder and creative director of Matt Black, uh, the agency behind the Shapeshift Report and this wonderful podcast. And I'm super stoked to be um, sat here with, well, I'm sat here, you're sat in New York, but with Cindy Ramirez, who um, is a multi-hyphenate in so many different incredible creative businesses. Um, But for the purpose of today, we'll introduce her as the founder of Chill House, um, which is a really dope dope cafe, like nail salon, spa concept um, in New York that I've had the uh, opportunity to frequent a few times and hands down like one of my best manicures for sure. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So Cindy, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and background, Cindy's been, um, you know, a great kind of partner and, and supporter of a lot of uh, different things that we've done. She's been featured in the Shapeshift Report. Uh, we've worked with her on some really amazing influencer campaigns that we've done for brands. Um, and so, as we'll kind of dig into, she is a uh, entrepreneur in, in many ways, but is also um, really cultivated and nurtured a great media platform of her own. Um, and I think to many people is deemed as um, a really amazing influencer to align with. So before we get into like the meaty stuff, your, your words of wisdom, what is a pet peeve of yours? Um, I hate being lied to. But I think that's a pet peeve of everyone's, no? Just dishonesty. Yeah, um, yeah that. I think that for sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. What's the last book you read? So I only really get to read, unfortunately, when I'm on vacation. Um, and so they always are kind of like quick, fun reads for me. And um, so Fifty Shades of Grey was actually my last one. I was just really, really late to the game. I didn't read and? it. Six years ago. And it was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's not to like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and as a, um, you know, master of hospitality, what is your drink of choice? Um, well, right now, because it's summer rosé, but um, that's kind of boring of me. But um, Mezcal Negroni, I'd say, is like what I tend to drink when I'm feeling a little frisky. Love it. So let's talk about Chill House. Mm-hmm. Um, what got you to this stage? You have done quite a few things in your career. I'd love to just have a quick kind of recap on, on your trajectory and, and what's brought you to today. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never, I never knew where I was going to end up. Um, I'm actually like a born and bred New Yorker. My mom was an esthetician. And so I grew up watching her be an entrepreneur, but I guess like, you know, as a young woman trying to figure herself out, um, life takes you in unexpected places and 
Um, it's, it's really hard to find your way and figure out what it, it is that motivates you. So my path was definitely a little, um, a little uninspiring, like in my very early years, um, I kind of, um, did, you know, the fashion college thing for a couple of years. I dropped out, <laughs> uh, twice and then, um, ended up in hospitality because I obviously I had to pay my bills. So I worked, you know, bartending, waitressing, I kind of did a lot of different things in hospitality. Um, and never really knew if I was going to stay in it. I didn't really want to grow in it. It was more like a means to make money. And, um, yeah, I just kind of, at, at what point, you know, you get to a certain age, you're like, what am I doing? You know? And I, on the, on the side, I always kind of acted and modeled and, uh, or commercial model, um, not like a model model, <laughs> but I did a little bit of that growing up ever since I was like a teenager. So there was a lot of, um, me like deciding, okay, like I have this kind of going on. And then I'm also like bartending to, um, me, you know, to pay my way, but what's next and how do I actually, you know, get into the workplace without having graduated college and having really had a very professional background. So, a lot of my early 20s was um, me figuring out what would be next for me. Luckily, I was able to say at one point, like, okay, this is kind of like a dead end road for me. What's next? And I like literally searched Fashionista one day and I found a really interesting internship that I like to say kind of um, changed my life. Um, the day that I got hired was the day that I quit bartending. Like the day that I got hired full time to work for them was like the day I actually got fired from my bartending job. And then ever since I kind of like my life changed, um, for the better. I was, um, really learning a lot from this job itself. I was kind of doing a little bit of brand management, business development. Um, I was running events and, um, learning a lot about the tech space actually, cause it was a fashion tech consultancy. So from there, um, kind of like got my bearings for what it would be like to start my own business. So I'm very grateful for that job. And, um, two years later, we kind of parted ways. We're still good friends, the the owner and I, but, um, from there, uh, this is like a long, obviously long winded kind of explanation, but from there, my husband or my boyfriend at the time. And I, now my husband, we started a, an influencer marketing agency and he's always been, um, in like a marketing guy. He's, pivoted his agency a few times now and that's all he's ever done. Um, and now he owns bars. But at the time I wanted to learn what it was like to have an agency and having a little bit of like account directing background, it, it allowed me to really, um, be able to do that with confidence. So that was like my first real business, I'd say, um, had some cool clients like Jägermeister, um, did some stuff with like interview magazine and, you know, um, had fun with it, but that was kind of like a nice, fun, easy job for me. It was like the first one from there. Um, I wanted to see what like it would be like to become a blogger. <laughs> um, I had taste of style actually many years ago as like a little like side passion project that I put out. It was like a crappy looking site. It wasn't anything fancy, but I had a few friends that were readers and they were like, whatever happened to taste of style. And I was like, you know what? Like, let me pick that back up. Like, you know, it was maybe four, four and a half years ago now. And people were obviously really into the blogger thing at that time. And so I was like, yeah, it seems like a good time to get in. You know, it, it wasn't like super early on, but I was like right in between, I'd say when um, the, the blogs were really like exploding. 
And from there, I just kind of kept that growing and I um, switched it from being about me to becoming more of like a media platform that had different verticals and started opening up to more categories. Um, Like at first I started as food and fashion, but then from there I really started branching it out and then opened it up to contributors and then got interns on board and got writers and now I have an editor. And so um, that's been an interesting journey, TCS on its own. Um, As I've been growing that, my husband was also opening up his first bar. And um, I found myself helping him a lot, like setting the tone for what our socials would be like, um, bringing in, you know, events and driving tons of people through the doors and all that. So I asked if I could be a partner. And so that's kind of how I got back into hospitality, I'd say, um, thanks to him. (laughs) But I always felt like I needed to get back into something that was uh, a physical job, you know, something that would require me to be somewhere, interact with people that I either are readers or whatever, just I enjoy the 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 idea of being in a physical space and having a place to, um, you know, kind of shape and mold. And so that was my first kind of taste into it. And I've um, been a partner in all of his endeavors ever since. And I guess with Chill House, um, now that we're kind of getting closer to the end of my story. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, guys, it's kind of a long, I'm kind of old. So with Chill House, we, you know, this was about a year and a half ago, January, about January 2016, we were kind of talking one day, we were, we really wanted to go get massages. And we were looking at our options and our options were either like, Chinatown, kind of seedy, downtown, um, not even downtown's good, but like, um, sorry, downstairs, kind of like basement type vibe for like 30 bucks for an hour, which just seems completely wrong. Um, or like high end, like 150 plus, um, luxury spas. And we were kind of disappointed in what our options were. So we started chatting about just, um, what's lacking in New York but also just what's lacking in the spa world. Um, and, and I think in general, um, and mostly in New York, right? I think as, as New Yorkers, we're always on the go and we're always finding, trying to figure out how to make time for ourselves, but it doesn't have to be so like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere and completely disattach myself from my phone and immerse myself in that experience. It could be that you just it should be that you can just kind of go in somewhere and feel free to relax in different ways and not feel the pressure of disattaching from the outside world from for two plus hours. And that's what the spa world is. And we realized that something needed to change with that. So we started talking about how to create that space for people. And we immediately realized that like, Blind Barber and like all these other kind like fellow barber. There are a couple of places for men that exist in New York. And now I guess in LA, Blind Barber has a place in LA um, that are for men. And like, they're allowed to have a drink and also get rooms. And there wasn't really like something like that for women um, that catered mostly to women. So that's kind of where we ended up was with like nails, two non-invasive services. So nails, massages, and a really amazing wellness cafe. Um, that's also, also serves beer, wine, and food. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's a very, very disruptive new model, but I think it's one that plays in really well together. 
totally. Plays really nicely and, together. And so the the group that you and your husband have is is Dem Hospitality, right? Yeah. yeah. My husband and I kind of came up with the idea together, and then I asked Den Hospitality to get involved. Um, from the point of kind of thinking about this concept to actually opening your doors, how long was that process? About a year and three months or two months, three months. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, any of the ups and downs in embarking on that venture or any of the other ventures that you've pers- you know, pursued over the years? I'll definitely talk about the ups and downs of Chill House. Um, it has been a very fascinating few months of a lot of learning, a lot of tears, a lot of nights where I didn't really sleep well. The first couple of months, I'd say, were obviously the most stressful. You know, you're, you raise a certain amount of money and then you're basically counting down until your bank account dwindles. And so you have to open by a certain point, And then by that certain point, you may not be fully ready. You know, your staff may not be perfectly trained and like your uh, systems aren't completely in place, but you have to open the doors because it's time to make money. So that was really interesting to just, you know, learn what it would be like to just take things as they come and um, pray and hope for the best. So I'd say that's one of the ups and downs um, of doing that is like just not being fully prepared for certain things that kind of came at us. Um, Some of the things that arose from opening up, like, you know, when we maybe we're not fully prepared is um, staff, you know, staff is very, very flaky. Um, especially if they don't know you and it's someone that you just like met off of Craigslist, right? They don't really have a loyalty to your business. So it was interesting to find that they are like massage therapists and nail techs are kind of notorious for um, calling out, (laughs) calling out and like, um, just, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's been a challenge, I'd say, to make sure that we're empowering them to realize that this is like a bigger business than just, you know, doing nails or doing massage. It's, it's, uh, I'd say that has been interesting. How would you say that you kind of tackle that? Because I can imagine, you know, I mean, certainly from, from my side too, it's like, you know, it's, it's all about kind of building that culture and like the vision and, and getting people super onboarded. But when you're dealing with, you know, much more of the service industry, I mean, you know, you said you were in service industry. I was too, like, damn, I called out to jobs that like, you know, was just kind of n- not fully there and fully committed to. And it happens. And we, I think we've all been on that side of the coin. Yeah. How do you, how are you thinking of kind of approaching that or what have been some of the, um, you know, obstacles or, or ways yeah. to get Again, I think it's because a lot of uh, these people that like now we've kind of weeded out the people that aren't for us and vice versa. Um, And so now we're kind of establishing who our core employees are, which has been really nice to see kind of shape itself. And I think it's um, they're realizing like we're doing really interesting things. You know, we're working with big brands. We have outside uh, pop up activations happening outside of the, the space. Um, we're doing really cool shoots and X, Y, and Z. And so I think now they're, you know, once people realize that you're not just a fit one physical location and like, that's your only goal, I think they start paying attention to, oh, there is opportunity here. I'm going to take a little bit more 
um, take this job a little bit more seriously. So I think yeah. that's one of the things that we're doing and hoping that, um, you know, our rock stars really roll with us with, you know, with these new positive things that are kind of coming on to our plate. Um, and then just also starting to build um, like a very thorough company culture guideline. Um, all these things, again, like if now if we did a second location, third location, all these things will be built into place. But because we had to open by a certain time, we had a lot of things going on and you didn't have like your general manager like four months before you open, these things kind of get done as you're opening and as you're still pretty new. So we're definitely learning when it comes to that. Another another thing that really kind of bit us in the ass was the fact that um, we, you know, in New York City, there's no rule against like that grooming and maybe drinks can't go together. I mean, you go to salons like Dry Bar, they give you drinks and you go to um, like other nail salons like Paintbox or whatever, they give you cocktails or, you know, they're, they're giving you um, – beverages but they're not selling them so there are some like ways around that and I think for us we opened hoping that like yeah there there is not going to be a problem with the department of health because we have nails here they're non-toxic and it's you know we're not serving food we're just doing pastries and of course they had a big issue with that so we were really really nervous as to how to make this business work um to the point where I was like holy shit, like, we're not going to be able to have a cafe at all. Like, we're probably gonna have to turn it into like a retail shop. And like, to me, opening up retail scares me. Like, I don't necessarily feel like it's the strongest business out there right now. Like actually selling, you know, um, products. Our goods and yeah, yeah. So I was pretty heartbroken for a while. You know, this, this was like a two, like a one month ordeal back and forth with the department of health trying to convince them to let us reopen if we built a wall. And we basically had to convince them to let us reopen if we built a wall. Um, they were even trying to get us to not do that at all. Like they were, you know, there are some stupid things with like, you know, the bathroom, you, you know, your employees getting from like the cafe to the bathroom and then back. It's like, relax people. This is just manicures. It's non-toxic. And so Thankfully, they were able to <laughs> like look past it and be like, all right, fine. And there was no rule against it, right? They just kind of came up with ways to find us, fake ways to find us, and then they shut us down, essentially. But so luckily, crazy. we reopened. But yeah, it's like stuff like that. You don't expect it to um, you don't expect it to happen, and it does. And then you're like, shit, I got to figure this out. And it's fun. Uh I can certainly appreciate, um, maybe not firsthand, but you know, our relationship with you served here and the, the city challenges in Los Angeles, I, I feel are not much different from New York. So, um, those are huge hurdles and I'm sure that that had some, something to do with those sleepless nights for sure. That and like waking up and someone calls out and then you have like 10 appointments for them on the books and then you're like, holy shit, I got to call everybody and they're going to get mad at me. All those things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And that's your business. I but mean, those are like, those I'd say were the two kind of hardest things in the beginning. And then we've kind of, uh, it's getting, it's getting a lot easier, I'd say. Thank God. Amazing. Yeah. So that kind of segues well into our five things part of this podcast, um, which is our kind of way to tap in and kind of understand uh, some of your tactics for building a really fruitful business, which 
um, you are currently doing and have done in other ventures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is how do you identify your audience and the needs that you feel they'll have? So um, luckily, I've had Taste of Style for a few years now, and I've definitely kind of felt the needs of my digital audience. Um, and based on those needs, I've definitely taken influence from that and, you know, and put it into this business, of course. Um, I think what we're seeing now, and if you read any article out there, um, experience is a new luxury, right? It's people want to, they want to show their friends what they're doing is exciting and they're discovering something new and interesting and they're a part of something new and inspiring and interesting. So I think um, that's like the first thing I really notice for me retail, like I said, retail is scary. Owning a brick and mortar is scary. Rent's really, really high. So what are you doing that's interesting in your space that keeps people coming back? Um, And, you know, that you don't have to really like um, rely on just the sales of like whatever it is you're selling. Like how do you branch out of just your space? So I've obviously, you know, having the digital um, background, I've noticed trends, you know, on Instagram. So what are people, what are people taking pictures of? What are people doing? Um, all that plays into our branding too. Like for example, our, um, our coffee cups say 1-800-CHILL-LIQUID, <laughs> you know, and people are obviously really responding to that because it's a fun, exciting, pretty thing to take a picture of and all that. Um, also for women, you know, we're always, we're always doing our nails, but what else is going on on our nails? You know, obviously for me, getting my nails done is a very relaxing thing. And I do it, I'd say at least once a week, especially now. Um, That's something that I thought was also a necessity for women, just having that place where they can, um, you know, get something like a simple service, but also what else is happening there. So the nail art is also something that came into play with that. Um, not wanting to have uh, pedicures because of the cafe. We wanted to have a very exciting reason to come get your nails done at Chill House. So we've had, um, we had a really incredible artist. We partnered with her to create 10 designs for us. And then we're going to continue that relationship and getting some more really cool nail art um, on our, um, on our book. So that's with nails. And then with massage, for me, I think it's something like low hanging fruit, kind of the best way to relax. Um, it's like the one thing that I think of every month. Holy shit, I really need this. Like, I need this time for me. What can I do where I just completely zone out? And that's always been massage for me. So, and I think, you know, I think people are looking for easy ways to relax now, right? So I guess tying it back to that question, I really looked at what was happening in the wellness space, what was needed in the wellness space, but then also what millennials were looking for. What do they want to show off to their friends? What do they want to bring their friends to? And how, where do they want to be all, all the time? What, what does that space look like? Um, and I think it's chill house. And I think I've hopefully created something that they're eager to see it evolve. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I mean, having 
been to Chill House, it certainly, you know, hits a bunch of the buckets in terms of what people like to share and it's beautiful spaces. And like you said, the 1-800-CHILL-LIQUID and great nail art. I mean, it's, you, you've kind of really nailed it across so many different verticals. Um, the next one is about tapping your network. You have, um, ultimately like really cultivated a great network of people, you know, nationally, but, but definitely in New York and even just kind of speaking to what you're doing with Matcha Mornings, which I think is so smart and, and great content. Yeah. How have you focused or what kind of advice would you give on, on people really building and leveraging their network to create a great business? Well, it's funny because I've never considered myself like a, a networker. You know, I think I just like making friends and I like building relationships. And um, I happen to have been in a lot of situations where I've met incredible people throughout my life. And as a New Yorker, I've also I've grown up here and a lot of my friends have as well. And, you know, we're at that age right now where we have pretty cool jobs. You know, I just had a friend that hit me up. She's like, I work at Google now. Let's work together. I'm like, yes. You know, and that's all really exciting. I think it gets um, it also happens with like, you know, the amount of time you're in a certain space or in an industry, of course. But I will say that having Taste of Style has definitely allowed me to meet a lot of the right people, for sure. Um, with having a media site, you know, you're dealing with three different types of people, or at least my type of media site. You're dealing with three different types of people, one of which is um, obviously brands and PR people. They want to get, you know, they want to be featured on the platform, so you become friendly with them or they try to become friendly with you. Um, and you develop relationships that way, of course. Um, and that obviously, you know, they're also very valuable people to have in your network because now thankfully I have all these contacts and they're all hitting me up for events at chill house. And so that's been very valuable to me. Another, um, I guess, category of people that I've met a lot is media people like editors. Um, and they've all been obviously really supportive too, because they know that I come from a bit of an editorial background, that I have an editor type I, and I hope that they respect that in me and know whatever I am doing is going to be um, at least worth mentioning on their site. So that's, there's also been that, which has been very valuable. And then um, influencers. So we feature a lot of influencers under a couple of different categories. One of them is boss babes. We do stationers. We feature amazing um, people on there as well. And, you know, I've just become friends with a lot of these really amazing content creators or uh, just you know, cool, cool individuals who have great followings. And that's obviously, needless to say, has been really great for us too. You know, we invite them to come by. They're very supportive. They take pictures. They share the love. And um, it's, like just really cool to see how TTS has allowed for that network of mine to kind of, yeah, it just um, cross pollinate. Yeah, you can just really kind of leverage. Yeah, I mean, I think that like crazy right now. Exactly, I think that we can totally relate to that. Even with having a podcast like this with people like you, you know, it allows for us to open up those relationships and have conversations that aren't necessarily like this is what I do or come in and, you know, get a mani or something like that. So I think that that's amazing. Um, how would you say you 
So through all the experience that you've had, I mean, ultimately, you know, another thing is really you've used your knowledge to your advantage. Um, what's like one piece of that? What was one like piece of that knowledge bank that you have that you feel like has really attributed towards, you know, business success and, and building up your blog and everything like that? I'd say understanding what people want to know about and want to experience has been a big part of that. I've always been very curious. Um, again, I guess part of like the blogger side of me, I've always wanted to discover new places and share that with people. And I think um, understanding that audience and staying friends with, you know, the younger demo and the, you know, the next generation of like um, incredible um entrepreneurs has been very valuable to me too because I'm kind of seeing I like to kind of stay up on what they're doing and what they're liking and like seeing how I can apply that into my business um if that makes sense yeah <laughs> oh for sure but and then point four um with any successful business you start with great branding and I think that that is definitely something that you focused on with Chill House or it it really comes through from a consumer perspective, um, from the branding itself to, you know, the, um, in like the, the signage inside to even your email blasts, which I think are done really well. What was your process or what's your approach in thinking to branding in well, general? Yeah. So branding, this was actually the first time we worked with a really incredible branding agency, um, not to say that I've never worked with good branding people before. We have an amazing in-house um, designer who's been awesome, but we really wanted to step outside of our kind of uh, group of people that work for us and and really work with an agency that can see things completely from a new from a new perspective and, and a refreshing re perspective. So we worked with a company called Combo. Um, they've done a ways branding. And they do cool. some big brand stuff. So it was important for us to work with a, comp uh, a branding agency that does understand big brand, sees the larger picture, and it designs with that in mind, of course. So um, the process was really fascinating, actually. And I have a good eye for it. Um, I just may not know how to always apply it. So it was really interesting to go through it. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever gone through the branding process before, but it's so fun. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like, it's you know, mood boarding, and then they present you all these different, um, you know, types of boards, right? So you can kind of go with this vibe or this vibe or the other. And I, when they presented me these, like, for us, these, like, three different boards, it was very overwhelming. But then you just kind of start identifying, okay, this gravitates to me, this this calls to me. From there, they it's like two more rounds, and um, you kind of end up in – that place that you're like, wow, yeah, this is exactly what I was picturing. You just, it's hard to get there without other people kind of helping you get there. So that was a very, very interesting process, but I'd say branding. I mean, if we didn't have an attractive, um, logo and, um, brand assets, I don't know if we would be any, like, I genuinely feel like it's the beginning to everything that you do. Oh, 100%. Definitely agree. And then you kind of take that and, and, you know, flowing into our fifth thing for building a fruitful business, which is really about having quality services and products. Um, you have taken a, a stance in something you talked about earlier, which was, you know, partnering with all non-toxic 
um, products and, and polish lines and, and things like that. So I'd love to hear kind of what your, you know, approach to building that kind of quality environment across all three sectors of the business was. Yeah. So, um, obviously not having personal experience in nails or massage or even a cafe, you have to work with people that do. Um, that's obviously number one. So I didn't pretend to know everything, neither did my husband. We uh, tapped to other people to help us build those areas of the business. Uh, for the cafe, we worked with our beverage director. He has an amazing palate and he's very well versed in different, all different ingredients um, out there, right? So he helped us shape that menu. Um, we're actually, uh, he helped us shape that menu. We are actually um, going to do some edits to the menu, I'd say, in the next month or so. We definitely want to start focusing more on the wellness aspect of what we do um, and really introduce some exciting concoctions. Um, that's all I can really say. But that is something that we're working towards perfecting, as are the nails. The nails are great and they're all non-toxic and all of our brands, like I chose all the brands that we carry and they are all as non-toxic as I, we can possibly get for good quality. Um, and they're, you know, we don't carry SE or OPI, not to say I don't love them. It's just, it's, we wanted to keep the curation really small and tight and also work with brands that people may not know yet. Um, so that was fun because I always, I do love supporting small brands and I think it's important to do so. Um and with our nail looks, um, again, we worked with Lady Fancy Nails. Um, her name is Ida, and she goes by the Lady Fancy Nails. And she helped us design a very interesting menu, something that I haven't like seen anything like that in other places. Um, and so that's been really fun to see um, people really gravitating towards the designs. And there are some standouts, and we're going to also start kind of fixing that menu a little bit more so that we tighten up our time and people can kind of get in and out within an hour and not, you know, not have to sit there for too long. So, um, and then with our massages, again, we worked with an amazing consultant. His name is Will Lewis. He came from Exhale, I believe, and um, he did all the programming for them um, and all the training. So he comes from a very, very strong training background. So he designed all of our different types of massages and each one has their own kind of individual style, which is cool. And he does trainings basically monthly with our staff to make sure that they're, um, everybody knows kind of what the difference is between all the different styles of massaging. So yeah, I'd say, I guess to answer your question, tap into people that are experts and <laughs> yeah, know what you're good at. <laughs> service. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think it always falls back on that, you know, in anything in business or in life, it's like really understand what you're good at and let other people who are better at doing other things do them because um, that is really where you free yourself up for like the most success. So I think that that's. I know what so I'm good at at this point. I know what I'm not. I'm not trying to learn to be good at one thing. I, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because hopefully it's going well for me. And Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> so to kind of like tie a bow on the conversation, for anyone who is looking for advice on opening their own hospitality business, whether it's something like Chill House or a rad restaurant or bar or hotel, what would you tell them? Um, I'd say be ready to work really hard. And especially in the beginning, it does get a little easier, but it is a 24-hour business. Um, well, depending on your hours, maybe not 24 hours. You, you do have to sleep, but... 
it's a uh, it's around the clock and you have to be there on the ground ground you know hit the ground running and like know what you're getting yourself into and also know how to handle every area of the business that would be expected of an owner right like even if you have partners like I still ask Adam my husband if something you know if he's dealing with something with our general manager I'm like please keep me in the conversation because I do want to know what's happening with this even though it necessarily doesn't land on my plate it's important to know everything that's happening in your business from like you know you're having plumbing issues to like uh, you know, you have an angry customer to like a big brand wants to work with you. It's all important to understand what's happening. Um, at least with your first one, of course. And if once you grow and you have two, three, four, you can't possibly know everything that's happening at all times, but your first one, it's your baby and you have to treat it as such and you have to, um, you know, train that thing well. Yeah. <laughs> and I can only imagine you're spending most of your time in one of your properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, chill house is the, for me, like the priority right now, um, as, as well as taste of style. We're doing some exciting things with TTS. I definitely don't, I'm not putting that on the back burner whatsoever. That's also keep me, keeping me very occupied, but luckily I have my team that works out of the cafe with me. So we're able to get a lot done. I'm getting in a lot of directions. It's, it's been fun. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So then my final finale question. Mm-hmm. You have a dinner reservation for four people. Who are your three guests? They can be anyone. So I just want to laugh any time that I can. And um, that's a really fun question. I Okay, so I've, I've actually answered this like in my head in the past. I've always wanted to have dinner with um, Chelsea Handler because I just think she's so funny and so badass and could probably entertain me for the rest of my life as is Jimmy Fallon. Um, I'm not like a, like I don't watch his show every night or anything. I just think he's like a bundle of joy and I would just love to be surrounded by him. And then um, my two others, I am very nostalgic to like the studio 54 days. And I've always said like Bianca Jagger is my style icon. So, and I love, the idea of like having like a rock and roll sort of vibe at my dinner party. So I'd say like Bianca and Nick, like circa studio 54 days. That is such a great guest list. I, think so. I would love to just like be the waiter or something in that room. Right. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, I think that your style is um, totally has a Bianca Jagger feel to it. So you are achieving that to a T. And for those of you who have not seen Cindy's style, now is a great time for you to plug your Instagram handles for any and all businesses in your personal account. Yes. Thank you. So I'm at Cindy Ramirez, C-Y-N-D-I-R-A-M-I-R-E-Z. You can also find me Instagramming on Chill House, at Chill House, and then at Taste of Style. There are things I manage. Yay. Well, Cindy, thank you so, so much for your time and your wisdom. I feel like you have um, a genuine knack for um, kind of tapping into so many different aspects of marketing, but infiltrating them into really kind of unique and special hospitality-driven environments. And so you should um, give yourself a high five. Thank you. Uh, You're so sweet. And I, I love that we've known each other for so long now. And this podcast is such a great idea. I know. Thank you. Well, I love to hear that. And I think just for the sake of podcast listeners' sake, you, when I first met you, you had a skincare company. 
So you have really done a lot of things. I forgot to talk about that. So, oh God, man, that skincare, that was a really interesting um, little moment of my life. Um, But yeah, Yeah. that, that. Which was dope. I mean, it was dope. It's just, I mean. It was unfortunate. We had partners that we couldn't see eye to eye with. um, And unfortunately it wasn't going to grow into anything without their support. So, and we needed their support. So that unfortunately had to. You know, call it quits with that. But be put on the shelves for the short term, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, Never. I mean, I wouldn't revive that brand itself. I would just do more exciting things with Chill House, and Chill House isn't going to just be locations. So I'll just keep it at that. We'll definitely have some really exciting other things in the works. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, and then just to all of our listeners, be sure to check out the latest issue of the Shapeshift Report at www.shapeshiftreport.co and you can also follow along on all socials at shapeshiftreport 